Welcome to our listening community. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I am Reverend J. Stuart Glover, and you're listening to Faith Talk. Let me just say this, sharing our sacred stories or testimonies with each other is a a powerful exercise for more than one reason. The main idea is that we hear about the activity of God in a person's life. And we also learn from each other and are pointed to God as we share stories with each other from our religious experience. So I wanna thank you for joining me today as we welcome a very special guest. Her name is Rose, and she is the the founder of the Be Inspired Ministry. She's a woman of faith. She loves God. She's a musician, a digital artist, and to our delight, she is with us today to share her sacred story. So Rose, thank you for joining us today, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Thank you very, very much for having me. Um, so I have been in the church, uh, since I can remember, um, I, I had been going to church since about two or three years old. Um, I've been baptized. I've, uh, you know, I've gone through a lot over these last years or so, um, of course it changed from childhood to adulthood. Um, and when I did finally come to Christ, it was in 2010. Um, and again, I was baptized and I had a very tumultuous start, um, an eight year tumultuous start. And so, um, but during that time, God continued to grow me in faith and, um, I've started Uh, discovering things about myself that I did not know before, such as the fact that I um, am a digital artist. Um, I also uh, paint on canvas as well, Um, and I'm a musician, and uh, I write mostly for God. Um, I do write, you know, a lot of my experiences uh, before I came to God, but my my main thing is, uh, um, my main genre is contemporary Christian. And um, be inspired. That birthed during the pandemic, um, and I, I kind of went through a lot along the way to cultivate this and to figure out what it is that God really wanted me to do in this, and it just turned into an all-encompassing, creative, inspirational um, ministry. Amen. Well, you know, you you mentioned uh, a word, tumultuous, you you said, and and, um, forgive my funny pronunciation of that, but, but, um, you know, we we have talked briefly, and and I told you you didn't have to to um, get too granular with um, the details, but I know you had some difficult childhood experiences and challenges along your faith walk as you got older. And I'm certainly not pressuring you to talk in detail about those troubling events right now. I guess uh, at the end of the day, uh, or even right now, what we need to hear about your life experience is how 
um, God has brought you to a better place of discernment, wisdom, reconciliation with God and community building. Now, I myself, I didn't meet God on the um, mountaintops of peace and joy and happiness and serenity. No, I met him in the valley of despair. Yes. When, when I was uh, uh, in trouble and, and things were closing in on every side and I was, I was um, you know, engaging in self-destructive behaviors. And, and um, I also am a musician. I wanted to be a rock star. And that <laughs> led me to a place of, of trouble. Um, but it was there that God met me. Um, so let me ask you this. When did you, I know you grew up in church. And um, what, what, what was, how did you feel when you felt as though the Lord was pulling you into a closer relationship? So it was quite extravagant for me. Um, you know, I like you said, I had been living my life uh, whatever way I wanted to live my life. And um, by no means necessary was I thinking about, uh, you know, church or the word of God or, or having a relationship with Jesus at all. Um, but abruptly um, during that walk, I began to, uh, you know, have those poolings like, you know, go to church and, you know, I picked up the word and I started taking an interest in that, um, you know, certain circumstances had happened to me where I was taken out of, um, my current, that current situation and put into solitude where I had nothing but the Bible and myself. <laughs> so God definitely has a way of working things out. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you use the word pullings. It's one of my favorite um, descriptive words uh, when we talk about our, um, our faith journey because those pullings can come from different places. And you talked about being pulled to God and there, there are other pullings that would lead us away from God. Now you met, you mentioned that um, that there was a um, a period. I, I know we talked, and you said that there was a period of time in which you felt as though that you perhaps weren't um, on the straight and narrow, as they say. <laughs> and maybe, yeah. maybe you were pulled in a different direction. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you felt while you were in that phase of your faith journey? Oh, man. Um, okay, so about eight years, well, in 2010, you know, from 2010 to like almost 2011, I was very, very close to God. I was walking with God. I was doing going to church, you know, got my family involved. So there was a tight-knit relationship there, journaling, all of that. And then um, subtly, I started thinking that certain things were okay to do again. Um, and I started taking on old habits that I had. But before that happened, there was a moment, um, you know, God likes to take us through uh, uh, forgiveness. And I had a very, um, um, very interesting past. <laughs> um, and so as I was facing that, I, I kind of started drawing or pulling myself away from God um, because I wasn't ready to, to face uh, that kind of um, forgiveness at that point. And so I started doing the things that I, I, I used to do to cope. Um, 
And even though I was kind of going to church and asking for, for help with it, um, I felt as though I wasn't getting it or the desired help that I needed. Um, and so I started looking elsewhere, which just led me even further and further away. Um, being led away doesn't happen abruptly. It's, it's, a, it's subtly. And um, during that time, like, I didn't think in the beginning that, uh, that I was even moving away from God. I just thought I was slowing down. I thought I was, you know, let, let me take a break, you know, let me just kind of gather myself. Maybe I'm doing too much or, you know, I convinced myself of what was really going on opposite to what was really going on. And um, eventually I was all the way out meaning I wasn't going to church. I was barely reading the word. I was barely in prayer. And I'm someone that prays all day, every day. I'm always talking to God. So for me to just not be doing that anymore or not as less as I was, um, it was just, it, it was feeling like suffocating. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, the further away that I was going, uh, the more empty that I was feeling. I wasn't able to uh, cope with anything at that point. And I was just trying to kind of self-medicate myself through the things that I normally do. And um, so that whole time, uh, which it was eight years uh, that whole eight years was a very uh, tumultuous. It's a up and down emotional roller coaster. One minute I was happy. I thought I was back with the Lord and then come to find out the next minute I'm like way far away doing things I wasn't supposed to. So I definitely blew with the wind. Um, and it wasn't a good feeling all the time. But I have to say this, that during that time, even though I was here, there, and everywhere emotionally, I was, um, I still sensed and I still knew that God was pulling and drawing me back to him the entire time. And it wasn't until I started paying attention again to that pulling um, that I started coming back and I started getting back in the word again. And now here I am today, so... Hey, Amen. That was that was a um, a very clear articulation of your experience, and I, and a couple of things jumped out at me as you were speaking. Um, <laughs> and I'll probably go a little bit backwards. Um, first of all, those those you talked about the pulling. Um, uh, for, we talked about the pulling away from God, right? right? And then you said while you were in all of that, you still had felt sense God's pulling you in or reeling you in right yes so so that's a very interesting thought that both of these pullings can occur at the same time right yes or, yes. or in coexistence with one another so there is a bit of a warfare that goes on yes. within ourselves and it's very important to pay attention and to to be able to discern those activities within okay yes. that's one thing now backing up a little bit you talked about forgiveness right and and we have trouble with the concept of forgiveness from our side because it's something that doesn't come easy to us. We can't forgive other people very easily. Um, so um, we have difficulty accepting God's forgiveness for towards us. Um, and, and that is one of the reasons that we um, have a tendency to retreat or recoil 
away from God in, in when we're going through those valley experiences and and we sometimes retreat into isolation. I think you mentioned that with me yesterday. Um, this this idea of, of isolating yourself. Now you said that you you stop doing some things, and and he and here's we can we can just sit on that for a moment, especially if there's someone who's listening who's going through this inner conflict. This is never a good time when you feel these multiple pullings. It's never a good time to stop doing what you know is good to do. Yes. In other words, um, uh, Rose mentioned um, she stopped reading, she stopped praying, she stopped going to church. Basically, she she uh, retreated into isolation. That is not a good thing to do. Um, as 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 believers, as people of faith, as human beings, we're we're not called to live a life in isolation. We are called to be a part of a community. The yes. idea of being human is being part of a community, and, and and a faith community is even so much more more important. Yes, I totally agree that now. But I, for the struggling uh, Christian, someone who is going through what I went through, I also have to express what I was feeling at the time that made me stop or or that I believed about myself, what I believed about my church, what I believed about, um, you know, just the gathering together, just the, the prayers and everything else. It, there was a mixture of things and it wasn't that I didn't want to do it because I would, but I wouldn't fully be there. And so because I wasn't a hundred percent, um, you know, focused on praying a hundred percent in the word, there's a guilt trip, there's guilt and there's shame that sets in and you begin to listen to that over what God says. You, you begin to listen to that and feel that and wallow in that. And then you start to look for blame in everything else and everyone else around you as to why you're not there, why. And yes, there may have been triggers from the church. There may have been triggers from, you know, um, experiences or negative experiences that you, um, you've had. But trying as a baby in Christ, trying to understand this, this new um, you, let me put it that way. Trying to understand this new you is difficult at the same time trying to separate your feelings and emotions and walk through this. And especially for someone like me who is used to being alone. See, at that time, I was used to being by myself. So all I did was go back to my comfort zone. Okay? And, um, and it doesn't necessarily... It still was isolation, but it was a comfort for me. It was the way I knew how to deal with all of the, to internalize all of the feelings and emotions I was going through at the time. I just kept feeling like I was failing. I set standards that weren't really there for myself. So I don't want to load this up too much, but just coming from, from someone in that from that perspective, it's terrible to isolate yourself. But what if you are a person that has always been isolated um, and feel comfortable in that way? Because then you feel no one can hurt me here. No one can reach me here. You know, 
Um, that couldn't be more of a lie because I was reached. But um, I wanted to kind of bring that point out. I didn't mean to interject. <laughs> no, that, that was wonderful. As a matter of fact, um, it reminds me, and I'm sure you've heard this already, the, the image of the cross is, is two lines, right? One is, is uh, vertical and one is horizontal. Yes. And, and the vertical line, they say, represents your relationship between you and God. It's, mm -hmm. you know, and the horizontal line uh, represents your relationship with you and your community. <laughs> so God not only reconciles us with himself, but he also desires for us to be reconciled with community, with yes. the family of God um, and, and the church, as we call it. So... Um, I just, I just, you know, I'm loving this this story that you're sharing. I want to just stop for a moment and just thank the people that are in the listening um, audience. Um, thank you for stopping in, stopping through, and, and, and listening to this wonderful story. Um, you can, I would appreciate if you visit the website www.reverendjstuartglover.com. There are um, people around the world who are listening in. Uh, the, these episodes are replayed on YouTube and all the podcast outlets. Um, you can visit that website and leave your comments and and um, even um, sign up as a guest, register as a guest on the show. Um, now, Rose, I wanted to say that um, you talked about, you know, people being, you felt as though they, you were failing and you had to do something. Um, there are people who are stuck in that very same place. And, and I think that we should, we should talk about that for a moment. They're stuck in their shortcomings and they're, they're um, self-absorbed in a sense of imperfection and, not, and missing the mark of not um, being the person that God has called them to be. But we have to remind them today, and I think today is a good day to do it, that um, the, the, the theological term is sanctification right where you mm -hmm. become more christ-like in your life that's not an instant process it happens over your entire life journey so and god knows that god is is leading us to a better place and it takes time to get there but in terms of the imperfections i think we need to remember and trust in the finished work at the cross once you once you start um, once you continue with this self-absorption idea, oh, I did, I failed today. Um, you you put the weight on yourself and, and you take away from the very grace and gift of God that God has uh, sent His only begotten Son for you. So it's not all about your effort; it's about what God has already done. What do you think about that, Rose? Yes, I know that now, and there ha there. There came a point where I had to decide for myself, you know, Rose, are you going to trust God um, or are you going to continue down this path of trying to prove something to God or trying to um, take on everything like you said myself and, and try to do this now? Um, one word that rang out to me is the struggle with trust. Now, I'm sure people will think, you can trust God. <laughs> if there's anyone you can trust, it's God. But unfortunately, in my case, um, trust is a huge issue. Um, and like I said, this goes back to my childhood. Um, and so it's a deep uh, issue, okay? And so it, 
took a while. It took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of time for me to come around to that point where I said, okay, you know what? I trust you, Lord. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my sanctification. There's nothing that I can do except come to you and and submit to you. Just trust and submit. And um, those were the two two biggest things uh, that I had issues with. I'm not sure, you know, how everyone else is coming to this point that is struggling, right? But I know those were my two main issues. You definitely need to find what it is that's standing in the way between you and God, and you have to give it to God. So um, that was was one of the biggest things that stood out to me when you were just saying that. Uh, And it took me a long time to come to that. And like you said, sanctification is a process. How do I know that that process wasn't all a part of my sanctification process, right? Instead of me thinking of it as um, I'm doing everything wrong, I can't get things right, I'm always falling short. Well, God said we were going to fall short. God said everyone falls short. You know, I don't give myself enough. I didn't give myself, I didn't um, understand the grace of God. I didn't understand a lot of things, which we should definitely discuss in this conversation because that's what it boiled down to was that I didn't understand. I was very young in Christ and I didn't understand everything. And I felt um, even though I had separated from the church afterward, I remember I was going to church prior to and I was listening. But see, on Sundays, there were sermons for that Sunday, not for what I was going through right there were bible studies for uh whatever that bible study was planned for sure i can relate but not pertaining to anything i was going through you know so a lot of the stuff that i was learning didn't have anything to do with what i was struggling with at the time which was trusting god which was understanding grace which was understanding the sanctification process, but it took for me to start looking into it and start reading on it, uh, reading about it on my own. Um, and so I guess that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> no, I, I love that you're hitting on you're hitting on some great points. And one of the reasons I believe that we have difficulty trusting God it, it goes back to our um, the embedded theologies of our youth, how we were introduced to God in the first place. And by whom? <laughs> sometimes we are. Sometimes we're traumatized by people who are, are supposedly standing in the place of of a minister or or a parent or a relative, and and we develop these poor God constructs. Um, in other words, uh, the most common poor one that I'm aware of is that. You know, when I was a kid, I felt like God was some sort of celestial scorekeeper who was sitting there with a pen and a pad and just writing down every time I messed up and waiting to <laughs> tally up the score and send me to hell. Right? That was the kind of that was the kind of fearful um, construct I had of God. It wasn't one of reverence; it was one of fear. And 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 um, so that's why so many people are young people leave the church today because of something that you said. First of all, there's that that um, a poor God construct, and then there's no relevancy to the to their own lived experience. You're asking me to memorize scripture, but you're not talking about anything or helping me through my own moment. So the lack of relevancy is something um, 
that we've dropped the ball in, in Christian education. I believe we've dropped the ball and um, leave uh, young people out there on their own to struggle. But you, um, you said that um, in your in your bio, you said, uh, let me see if I can just follow, find it right here. You said that your most of your work is geared towards struggling Christians, those that have been rejected, um, prodigals, if you will. You wrote those that are struggling to know that they are truly saved and loved by God. Now, yes. <laughs> if we can't trust God, then I can certainly imagine us wrestling with the idea of I'm imperfect how does God possibly still love me right so so and then you gave me a scripture that you said spoke to you from the book of Romans that talks about um, uh, not being separated from the love of God yes so how did that how did that text speak to you and how does it continue to speak to you so, oh man, so Romans 8 and 38. Right. Um, so throughout that eight years, this scripture just kept coming up and coming up. And I would literally close my Bible and just let it fall open in my hands. And it has landed on that scripture, scripture more times than none, which is just, I know, you know, but um, just reading it over and over and over. Can I read it? Is it okay if I read it? Absolutely. I was, I, ha- I was going to read it myself, but I'd rather you do it. Okay, Romans 8 and 38. Let me pull it up. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears nor today. I mean, for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, I read that from the New Living Translation, which is the... um, the translation that I'm so accustomed to reading from, mm-hmm. but just reading through that and repeating that and putting that in my head. So every time I had the thought that God doesn't love me, how could he possibly love me? I would go here and say, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, I would continue to every every time I had the thought, I would think of this scripture and I would go and I would replace that thought with the scripture, which is so important. This is how you change that outlook of yourself and begin to look at God. Instead of looking at yourself and how you feel about yourself, you begin to look at God and what he says about you. What he says you can and and cannot lose right and if he's saying here in Romans 8 and 38 that I can't in any way now these are all the fears that I would hold oh what about demons well what about you know things that have happened today or what what about if I sin tomorrow or or in the future he covers it all right here and so the more I started reading and and, and getting into this and reading the commentaries Okay, Um, that also helped me Um, just to elaborate on it. um, I I 
I don't believe anymore that God doesn't love me. I believe that God loves me. Um, it's about renewing your mind, and it's so important. That's why I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit about how I stopped reading the Word. Mm-hmm. Please. When when I stopped reading the Word, that's when that that weapon was gone. So I was open for uh, attack. And, and and my negative thoughts and negative thinking or just feeling like the isolation and everything else alone, I left myself open. I didn't have what I needed in order to combat those negative thoughts. We have to renew our mind. And the only way to renew our mind is through the word of God. We can't do it outside of that. We can listen to any advice from anyone. It's never going to equate to the word of God. So therefore, if you heard me earlier, I had to continuously read and rid my mind of the fact that God couldn't love me or God didn't love me. And I had to replace it with what he said. Um, Amen. 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 I think that we should also, you know, um, um, we can be reminded through the scripture about, you know, if we're worried about how imperfect we are. And whether or not God loves us anyhow, we can look at the Apostle Paul. Paul used to be someone who killed Christians before his encounter with Christ. He was on the hunt for um, having the followers of Jesus. They called him the way. Um, he He was on a journey to have them arrested, imprisoned, and perhaps even killed for for being blasphemous in their faith before his his conversion as they say so now god chose someone who is an enemy of the followers of christ and he used this very person to become one of the major contributors to the new testament for those who are not familiar who have a a a minimal acquaintance with the biblical text the apostle paul was again he was a major contributor to the um to the um new testament um, and his, 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 where Jesus revealed himself and the will of God through the person of Christ, Paul actually gets into a, how does some of this work for you personally? How is it that you, you know, when you become, when you trust, when you begin to trust God, that the old, all things old are, are gone and there's a new person now, a new person who's been justified before the eyes of God. Um, and, and that's another theological term we can talk about justification. Simply put, it simply means God sees you just as though you never sinned. <laughs> and, and all of that is because of the mercy of God and the work, the finished work of Christ on the cross. So the point is this, there's no one who's beyond the, the reach of God's love. No one at all. Again, Paul was a murderer, um, but no one, the, the thieves on the cross is another example. There was a man hanging on the cross next to Christ who was sentenced to die for some crime, right? But God, at that last moment, um, extended his grace and forgiveness towards that person and gave him the promise of eternal life. <clears throat> so no one, even that the people, when we look at people in our family, everybody has somebody in their family that they think is beyond God's mercy. And he's never going to get saved, as they say. But guess what? Um, I think we step out of our lane when we make those assumptions because God is able to save everyone and anyone. Yes, totally agreed. (laughs) Mm. So, so Rose, um, you you mentioned another scripture. 
That was, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So why are you not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the gospel that saved me and it is the gospel that can save everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have always been the type of person that wants to help. I'm always a helping person. And you know you know what they say, you can't help other people until you help yourself. Mm-hmm. So I've experienced the gospel. So let's just look at that as the help myself part, right? And now I just want to share the gospel to help somebody else. So I think I should um, I should uh, probably read that. It comes from, for those of you who don't know, it comes from the book of Romans. And it's chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Yes. And 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 that everyone that we have trouble with that. We we pick and choose who we think is worthy of of receiving the gospel, but the Bible says it is everyone who receives. Um and so not being ashamed of the gospel means more than just um knowing what God has done in your life and being willing to share it verbally, but it also means that we're willing to stand for that which is right and and oppose those things that are antithetical to to um, the kingdom of God, things like um, the, the lack of justice and equality and, and all these things that all the ways of the world that we're seeing um, so prominent in, uh, as a dominant narrative in today's society, things like racism and and the quest for power and exploitation, all of these things are um, antithetical to the to the love of God. And we need to, as believers, as people of faith, we need to always be ready to yes. to stand firm and not be ashamed of the gospel. That's right. Ooh, yes, and be and not be afraid to speak out. You know, a lot of uh, I was watching a lot of videos that were concerning this this issue within the Christian church, and you know, it's just not being um, taken seriously. You know, people are. I don't know if you saw the heard about the new Beyonce album. Well, we know about Beyonce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beyonce is doing what she does. They're obviously, anti-Christian. But you know, it's in a, the things that she was saying. I, I believe she named it uh, "Christian Girl," but there was nothing Christian about it. As a matter of fact, she was um, uh, blaspheming throughout the entire album. I didn't listen to all of the lyrics because I couldn't get through it. Um, but it's terrible who is speaking out about these things. You know, what is she going to win awards for these things? Who's speaking out about this? And I'm talking about the younger culture. I'm not, I'm talking about the younger Christians, the ones my age and younger, you know what I mean? Not just the older ones, because see, people, young, um, younger Christians will look to the older Christians to say something, but it's okay for younger Christians to speak out about it too. When, when wrong is wrong, you speak out that it's wrong and you shouldn't be afraid to stand on that. I've gotten into lots of debates in my uh, time. You know, because people don't want to hear certain things, um, especially uh, with um, certain uh, 
I don't want to say, I don't want to start this, it's not political, but, you know, basically political things and um, things that they're doing in school with the kids and that they're trying to push agendas and things of that nature. Um, It's like the first thing I did when I uh, put my kids in the school was I asked the school what they were going to be teaching my children. You know, I don't want them to be learning certain things, okay? Um, I think just, and if that was the case, I definitely would speak up about it, you know? It's just not enough younger Christians speaking out about the things, um, as a lot of things are sliding. Um, so, yeah, when you said that, it definitely struck a nerve. It's like, speak out, everybody. Speak up and speak out. You know, let the church be heard, you know? Well, again, I think that leads back to uh, having a poor construct or, 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 or perception of who God is to us and who are we supposed to be to God. Hey. <laughs> um, um, you know, it's, 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 it is one of the failures of religious education when we present the gospel as a, as a self-absorbed individualistic um, salvation, salvific experience where it's all about me being saved and me being blessed by God and later for the community and the, people, the rest of the people, as long as I know I'm going to heaven and, and, and that my father in heaven owns all the cattle on the hill and I'm blessed with a new house and a new car, this type of Christianity is antithetical to the um, actual God's outreach to all of humanity. So, um, so this, what it does is it keeps our mind on stuff and takes our mind off of the things of the world that are actually against God. And, you know, there's another thing. Now, I'm a musician, right? And I love music. And I love the praise, um, the praise and worship in the church. But I do have this concern that I think young people sometimes, and not only young people, get, get caught and stuck thinking that all they need to do is come to the church and lift their hands and sing. And that's the end of the Christian um, uh, obligation, let's say. It's not really a moral obligation. It's just as long as you come in, get your praise on, you did what you're supposed to do, <laughs> you know? So yeah. you can do laps around the church, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can roll on the floor. You can do all of that. But if, if you know, I heard a preacher once say, it's, it's not just about how high you can jump. It's also about how straight you can walk. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, I see a lot of people go to church on Sunday, and then, you know, on Monday, it's a totally different person. Right. Um, I believe, obviously, that uh, you could, you should be continuing to pursue God, um, continue to live, like, every single day, like you're going to church, um, worship and praise and do all of that, but at the same time, too, you know, speak up, speak out when it's necessary, you know, you're in the kingdom, you're a part of the kingdom of God. You're supposed to represent that at all times. And uh, I don't think younger people I don't think younger people realize that we are the most looked at anyway. You know what I mean? Like if you say you're a Christian, it's like a mark on you from that point. I know for me it was. And from that point everyone was like, well, if you're a Christian then why do you do this? If you're a Christian, then why? So it does matter how you act outside of church. Absolutely. The Bible, I think also in the book of Romans, it tells us that um, Paul was talking to the people and he told them, he said, the name of God is blasphemed because of you. 
you mm-hmm. know, because yes. of, we, because of, of course he had his audience that he was speaking to, but we can certainly draw truth from that. Um, it's about sometimes you know we are the only um, people. We, we, we're the people that as close as people going to get to a Bible is what they see in our lived experience. But now I want to talk about something else because you mentioned Beyonce, you mentioned the arts, which brings me to the arts. And earlier you mentioned, um, you know, not being so absorbed in yourself and, and looking away from yourself and looking at God. And this is the, this is the power of the arts. And, and, um, as you being an artist, and I have to tell people right now that tomorrow, by tomorrow, this conversation will be up on YouTube, and I will have the pleasure of displaying on the the behind as a background to the conversation that you're hearing now. There is going to be images of Rose's work, and it is absolutely stunning. Rose, let me ask you this: before we talk about the art, where can people? Um, uh, how can people reach out to you and see your stuff on Facebook or just tell us a little bit about the Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram under Be Inspired by Rose um, on Facebook as well. And those right now are the only two outlets, uh, social media outlets that I'm on. I'm keeping it very simple. Um, actually, you can also see some of my artwork on Behance um, and it's under uh, Be Inspired by Rose. Um, you can go to Facebook, it's Christina Rose, and just look me up and send me a friend request and I'll accept you. Um, and you'll find my artwork there and everything else that I do for Be Inspired um, there. So, so let me just talk about the power of the arts for a moment. See, I believe that the arts are able to move the emotions and communicate or incite thoughts, ideas, and principles in a way that that differs from a series of words within a printed curriculum, let's say, that attempt to communicate the same thing. So the arts over the years have been used to tell a story. And when you talk about looking away from yourself, and um, this is what your art, this is what Rose's art can help you do, to look away from yourself, to turn away from the despair and hopelessness, and to gaze upon something that in some way points your mind and your heart to God, right? And because, simply because it's beautiful, right? So um, I think that um, art is a powerful tool, and art can also be used to miseducate people. Yes. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 a firm believer in the use of arts in, in religious education, music and art and photography, videography. Um, that is a great passion of mine. But art can also be used to mislead people. Um, for instance, um, you know, when when we see pictures of, of and, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but but this is this is what it is. If you see pictures, um, if I grew up with a picture of a, a Jesus with um, you know white, blue blue eyes and blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And when I when I um, studied, when I got old enough to study, this was probably so far from the truth. Um, what I'm getting at is that that art can be used to to mislead people. 
um, the music and some of the video presentations and, and music um, concepts that are articulated through music can also be using uh, mislead people, and it's such a it's such a powerful tool that <laughs> that has a, a devastating impact on on the, on our youth today. And and Rose mentioned that through um, what she observed in in the the um, work of one of the artists that was mentioned. Um, but it's it's um. I'm glad to see that Rose is is, is creating artwork that sim- is simply beautiful, that points, that can help point your mind off of the trouble of the day and the struggles within and allow you to gaze upon something beautiful. So Rose, now what different types of art do you, do you um, I know you mentioned digital art. What's the difference between digital art creations and canvas? So digital art is done um, on a computer or on my iPad. Um, and so these tools that I use digitally are the same tools that you would use uh, physically um, on canvas painting. They're just digital digitalized. So um the reason why I prefer digital art over the canvas painting is because there's so much more control and a lot less mess. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I do also do canvas art. I do fit. I do uh, collages. I do mixed media art. And what mixed media art is, I tend to take. Um, I tend to take things from all kinds of mediums and I put them all into one piece of artwork. I've even taken some of my digital pieces and put them into my canvas pieces. Um, I like to mix things, but the thing here is I don't like to stick with one medium because I get bored with one thing. I'm very, very creative in my mind. My attention span is very, very short. So if it doesn't work for me, right, if I don't have different things that I can work with, then I normally don't mess with it. But um, I, I want to tell you how the art actually came about. Okay. During the, during the pandemic, Right. So, okay. before the pandemic, uh, you guys know I was struggling and I just came back to God um, and I was uh, praying and I wrote this song um, during the the um, when COVID happened. I mean, it was about COVID. It was about BLM. It was about all of these things that I was going through in my mind. And um, I made a video for it and everyone loved the video and was like, you did this? It's like, yes. So I do videography. Okay, let's do something else. Lord, what else can I do? Because I still have like an itch to do something and I just don't know what it is. And um, I started praying about it. Now, mind you, I never drew, I never painted, I never did anything along those lines when it came to painting on canvases or digital art. I downloaded an app and it just sat in my iPad because I said one day I'll get around to drawing something if I ever draw. Um, I had that app. It's called Procreate. I had it for about a year before I even opened it up and looked at it. And I I, um, was going through YouTube and I saw Bible journaling. I don't know if you've heard of this. But it's when um, you do Bible study through creativity. You uh, 
whatever scripture is speaking to you at the time. So let's just say we're doing, uh, we're journaling John 3, uh, yeah, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So we do a depiction of that. We do an art, uh, art piece of that within the page of the Bible. Now, journaling isn't just drawing or painting inside of your Bible or something like that. You can actually buy journaling Bibles like the Inspire Bible, and you can color in it if, in case you don't know how to draw and paint and do all the stuff these people do. So I started off that way because I'm like, I can't paint, I can't draw, so I'll stay in my lane. And I loved it. I loved being able to spend that, that time with God, but in a creative way. So I started calling it my creative worship. Right, because we can worship God in that way. It's Amen. No yeah, it's no different. So I, the more I was praying to the Lord, I started seeing like I, it opened up the door to all these other possibilities. So it went from there to like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna try to paint a painting in Procreate. Okay, and I ended up painting this landscape, and when I was done with it. Um, and I freehanded it. I didn't uh, use any kind of uh, other application or tracing method or anything like that. I just freehanded it and it came out beautifully. Then I, I did, um, I, I tried again. I said, this isn't me because I can't paint, <laughs> but it was so beautiful. So I was like, I'm right. So I went and I got another, um, I tried again and I, I, I drew a boat um, with a, it was in the dark. It was a, a huge boat, and there were people in the in the ocean that were drowning, but they were trying to be saved. And there, there was a life, um, there was a life raft that was thrown out, and it had the cross. I had a red cross on it with white all around it, symbolizing Jesus Christ, and it was thrown out into the the uh, ocean. And these people were grasping on, and not only were they grasping on to this life. Um, raft but they were also uh, uh helping each other there were other people helping each other to get up which spoke was a, a huge bold statement about how god saves and i couldn't believe that i did it uh, i showed it to my husband and my kids and i was like is this good and they're like this is really good you need to post this so I put it up there and I started getting all kinds of feedback and I continued on. I never stopped. I went and got a canvas. I said, okay, well, since I know I can, you know, paint a little, this doesn't count because it's digital. So I went and got a canvas and um, went and spent all this money, got all these brushes and stuff. That's why I decided to ultimately go with digital because it got so expensive. But I got a canvas and I began painting on that. And my very first painting, I'm looking at it right now, I have it on the wall, was of, I took scrapbook paper, put it all together on a cardboard, and then I painted a tree and a woman who was dancing underneath the tree and a pottery pot that is pouring out the glory of God, the glory of God onto her. And the colors that I used were blue, which are very prominent in my dreams, which means cleansing, um, and gold, which means glory. And, and, and while this is being poured out on this woman dancing, she's in gold, she has gold glitter on her, and the tree also has gold, and the tree symbolizes life the tree of life. In a lot of my artwork, you'll see that there's trees. I paint a lot of trees um, and it always symbolizes life. 
for a long time, I used to think that I was going to die. I, I was, I'm like so over the top. I always thought I was going to die. And I would always go back to this and be like, okay, no, God is the source of life. And so this is how I paint that. Um, this is how I depicted that. So once I did that, I kind of went back and forth between digital and canvas painting um, and just brushed up my skills and decided ultimately on digital painting because of the control that I have um, and the easy way to share it. Uh, and I continued on making art that had meaning behind it. And these meanings usually uh, are about um, a, a rescue or a saving um, and that's what usually comes out uh, when I'm painting. So I do that as, as well as videography. The same thing in my videos, they depict, um, you know, rescuing, saving, and all of that. So, yeah. So I went from not knowing anything. This is just God moving in me. And, and like you said, taking my eyes off of me and trusting God. This is a territory of unknown for me. And people are taking this interest in my art that I think, and if I was to think in my own mind, this isn't even all that great. Have you seen all these other artists out here? <laughs> you know, like, who am I? But it's the, uh, it's God. Just like in my music, it's just God. It's his leading, it's Holy Spirit leading me. And I'm just following, I'm just walking. Um, and these depictions come to my mind and I put them out. And so that's the journey of my artwork. <laughs> well, let me say this. I believe that as you sit with your, in the creative process, I believe that is a form of prayer and that God speaks to you and, and inspires you and it comes through your hands and onto the canvas or whatever uh, medium it is that you're working with. Yeah. So, so you know, what I would like to see is... Um, uh, I saw some of the work, but I would like to see, um, you know, like a, um, a couple of lines or a paragraph about the work itself, what it represents. It's good to leave things to people's imagination and let God speak to them, but it's also good to um, allow them to to hear the the artist's perspective on the on the inspiration. But I thoroughly enjoyed the work. Um, yeah, if you go, I'm sorry to interject. If you go on my Facebook page mm. um, and go to my actual album for the digital paintings, right. it does have a an explanation as to what that meaning meant. Some of them just have titles, but others have an explanation as to what this was and where I was um, in my head when I was thinking about painting this. So right. you'll at least get some sort of description. <laughs> yeah, I made I made the mistake with my own mother who's gone on to be with the Lord, but I wrote a, a, a musical piece and it didn't have any words. It was instrumental and it was probably in a, in a genre of jazz. <laughs> and she heard it and she said, well, what's the name of this? And I said, it's called Come Out. It's based mm -hmm. on the story of Jesus calling Lazarus out the grave. And when she listened to the music, she said, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have a little explanation 
of what goes, yeah. goes on with, with, with the with the, what's the inspiration behind it. But Rose, let, let me say this. Um, you know, I have a timer set on here for an hour and you've got like five minutes left. But what I want you to do is simply come back in. And I won't keep it long when you do come back, but um you're gonna need to come back in as we close so we can close out. All right. So okay. you know, in like five minutes it's gonna ask you to come back in in the same way you came in the first time. So let me, let me ask you, um how did you first get, I mean, what inspired you to even to um, admire art in the first place? Did you, was there an influence or you just had this uh, encounter? No. Um, one thing you, you must understand about me as an artist, whether musician or whether uh, digital art, um, I have no one um, that I have seen art from. Um, admired their art. I, I honestly, I write and I sing. I do all of this stuff based off of my relationship with God and that alone time between me and him. And every every vision that I have for the art comes from that prayer. Um, I don't know what style of art I do. I'm sure uh, I just call it mixed media because I mix things up, but I've never looked at another artist's work. I've never uh, listened to another singing artist, which sounds crazy because I've sent, I've listened to singers now, but not in comparison uh, to my work. Um, it's always been whatever flows out from me comes from that time between me and the Lord, and that's it. There is no other... Uh, there's nothing else that comes to mind. Like I have no one that I could even tell you. And that's the funny thing because people ask me that all the time. Like, well, you what? Do you know this artist? It's like, no, I don't. Um, do you know this? And a lot of singers, and I'm like, no, I don't. I do that because I don't want someone else's um, art or like songs or music or anything because I play the piano. I do all of that. I don't want their style to rub off on me. <laughs> I don't want them to have a style. I don't want that to happen to me. So I just kind of stay away from that and just kind of, it's just me and God. That is a great thought. I mean, you know, um, and I'll tell you, especially for, you know, I am a preacher. And one thing that young ministers might have a problem with is being influenced by other people. I mean, it can be good, but, you know, a preacher, a young preacher should try to focus on the gifts that God gave him or her. And not so much. Don't try to be T.D. Jakes yes. or, or some other fancy <laughs> preacher. Um, you know, be yourself and allow God to use you. Because once you start trying to be like somebody else or copying someone else, then you take away from the gifts that God has, has given you aside, aside for you. Yes. Nobody can do you better than you. Right? Yes. And cultivate, let God cultivate your gift because it's something that God has given you and he already knows where he wants to lead you with it. So let him cultivate that. That was one of the, uh, the biggest learning curves is like I said, I've always been hard on myself. Um, and I tend to fall into that perfect, perfectionist category where I feel like you know if it doesn't meet my needs uh, my standards then it can't go out um, and for a very long time you you remember the story of the talents <laughs> mm -hmm. I buried mine <laughs> I was like I'm gonna save this till God mm -hmm. comes back nah but I buried mine for years with the fear of what 
rejection, with the fear that people wouldn't like it and um, people wouldn't accept it. They wouldn't, you know, and I, it was all this negativity. But then the moment, like I said, when I let go of what I thought and I began to trust God and, and what he says, okay, I want you to do this and then do it. I see where it's going. I can see doors opening. I can see people loving it. You never know, too, who it's for. It's for somebody. Amen. There's someone that's seeing that. Whether you get like a million likes or one like, it was for that one like. You understand Amen. what I'm saying? I can appreciate that. So, yeah, or even the ones that don't like, because I know I go down the wall a lot and I don't like, so I don't always click the like button, doesn't mean it didn't have an impact on me. So, you have no idea who God is using that for. So you just have to do it. And um, and so that's where I'm at at this point. He's cultivating this gift of art that he's given me and I'm allowing him to do it. I'm just not fighting anymore. <laughs> Amen. Now it's down. I'm showing you down to about 27 seconds. You're going to have to come back in. And I really appreciate, you know, um, uh, not, you know, you said we don't know who always uh, is hearing this message. You know, even with my website, um, I have people that I wish I knew who they were. They're, they're in coming from, uh, there are viewers from Singapore and the Philippines, around the world, in Dublin, Ireland, in China, in India, in Africa. And, and they, are, they're, they are viewers and they're returning. Um, they're coming back and back and back and, and viewing the website. I wish, they, I wish I knew who they were. And if they're listening to this, I would ask them to, to please reach out and make a comment so I can be in contact with you. So, Christine, I'm telling you that, um, Rose, I'm telling you that that um, this, even this conversation will be heard by people that we don't know out there in Singapore, in the Philippines, in China, in, in um, uh, Dublin, Ireland. I don't yes. know anybody in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> uh, but there are so many people, people that are checking this out. So let me ask you this now. Um, your ministry, um, one of the things that really jumped out to me, something that I, I read in your bio that um, clearly articulates your passion, your calling, what we might refer to as your missiology. Um, you wrote this, most of my work is geared towards struggling Christian, those who have been rejected, prodigals, if you will, those who are struggling to know that they are truly saved and loved by God. So now, if there was someone listening in today or sometime in the future who was wrestling with the idea of, of losing their salvation or wondering if God loves them, they're asking themselves questions like, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, I really, uh, you know, I'm going through something that's really bad. Why is this all happening to me all the time? God can't possibly love me. What can we possibly say to someone like that? Coming from someone who has felt like that for a very long time, for a very, very long time, I want to tell you right now that God loves you. He loves you so much. Don't believe that lie. See, we can fall into this pit of lies, and it's only because we've neglected to open up his word and believe what he's saying about us. We're so busy believing what we're saying about ourselves, and we need to stop. We need to just take a breath, take a step back, 
open up that word and begin reading. And one of the books in the Bible that helped me the most throughout this time was Romans. Romans, especially chapter seven and chapter eight with the struggling Christian, how he, Paul struggled. You are not the only one that's struggling. There are so many of us that struggle in our walk and it's not even just a struggle. We all fall short. There is no, sometimes this person falls short. So let's try not to set our standards so high that they're above God's standards for ourselves. We need to bring ourselves back into submission with God, back into the place where God said that we're we're meant to be, where he said we should be, not where we think we should be. You are loved. Don't believe that. Also, put on the full armor of God. One of the reasons why um, I uh, I was messed up for so long was because I didn't turn where I was supposed to turn to. You know, the word of God is our sword. You need that. We need that. You know, it, we have to constantly, when, when Jesus was in the desert and he was being tempted by Satan or Satan tried to tempt him, you know, he kept saying these three words, it is written. If that's not example of enough right there is to go into the word, learn it. Whatever thought you may have, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's a depression, whatever you're struggling with, go into the word and renew your mind by continuing to, to rebut that thought with what scripture says, because scripture is the truth. It is the truth. It is the final authority. And you just got to believe that. And also, I just feel passionate. I apologize if I just kind of went on, but it's because it's so important because when you are struggling, there's always that possibility that you stay gone and then you walk fully away. There's a possibility that that can happen. And I don't want that to happen to you. Especially when it can be fixed, especially when whatever it is that you're going through, you can get through it. The first thing is do not isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself because where you're by yourself, you're kind of out there. Imagine a war zone and you have your whole army behind you and you're walking off away from your from the army and you're not even ready to really put up that battle or put up that fight by yourself. With your army, you're stronger, right? So you don't want to isolate yourself. Two, don't stop talking to God. Don't stop praying. Go back, run back, run to him. That's when you have to go to him. That's when you need to be with him. Your body, your mind, and everything else is going to tell you to run the opposite way because you're going to get in trouble or because you're going to go to hell. All of a sudden, you're going to lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. Salvation is a gift from God. It is because of his grace that you have salvation. And grace is the unmerited favor of God. There is nothing that you can do to lose your salvation. Otherwise, what was the point in Jesus Christ going to the cross, dying on the cross for you? He did it all. He paid it all. He's he's sufficient. Okay? Just stay in the word. Don't leave the word. And the the third thing I want to say is stay in fellowship. Stay in church. Be a part of something. Get yourself involved in something. If it's not arts or if it's not like Bible study or anything, there's something there for you. Just ask God. And, you know, obviously ask God because he'll lead you. 
you know, but just take your eyes off of yourself, put your eyes on the Lord, keep them on the Lord. One last example of this is when Peter, um, Jesus was walking on water and they were in the boat and uh, they got scared. You know, they see Jesus walking on the water, but Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter put his foot outside the boat and he started walking on water to Jesus. But you know what he did? He looked left and he looked right. He started looking at the storm and he began to sink. But there's one pivotal pivotal um, depiction here, right? Is that the moment Peter began to sink, Jesus came and lifted him out and rescued him. So there's no situation, even though you might get distracted, it's going to happen. We're human. We're going to get distracted. Things are going to come up. Just remember, if we just we just got to remember the God that we serve. He's a rescuer. He will rescue you. He's rescued me over and over again. He will rescue you. So just like he rescued Peter, put your eyes on the Lord and let him rescue you. And I think that's pretty much all I can say to that. I just am passionate about that. I don't ever want anyone to think how I was thinking during that time, but it does happen. But the best thing you can do is just keep your eyes on God. Well, amen. I um, I love to hear the, the, the repeated articulation of the theme of rescue that comes from you. It comes from through your artwork. Uh, it comes through your t- talking to you. And you know, the Bible in, in the book of Exodus, God himself said, I have heard the cries of my people and come down to rescue them. So this is the this is the, the rescue and liberate them is is the uh, main theme of the biblical text. So now we we um, we started a few weeks ago. We started a series as an introductory um, to the biblical thought. When we took we did a couple of books out of the Bible. We've got one more book left before we head into the New Testament. Next week, I'm going to be doing one of the prophetic books. And and Rose, at some point, I'd like you to come back and join us as we look at some of the books in the New Testament. Um, so let's connect on that in the future. I want to um, certainly thank you for being with us today. I think you poured out of your your heart and your your lived experience. And I think somebody is going to hear something that that they they liked and that drew them and pointed them to God. So um, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing as we close out, which is to pray for for the listening audience. But before we do that, I just want to uh, again invite people to um, visit the website www.reverendjstuartglover.com put post your comments leave a review you can even leave me a voicemail you can uh you can uh buy me a cup of coffee as they say and and i would really appreciate hearing from you so now i'm just going to ask um rose to close us out in a prayer and when she's finished i'm going to sign off and hope to see you next time please be reminded that Tomorrow you can re um, listen to this if you want to revisit it on on YouTube, or you can just go to the you can look up Jay Glover on YouTube. You'll find it, or you can go to the website and see it all. So Rose, again, thank you for coming. Could you just close us out in prayer? 
Sure, that's fine. And thank you for having me again. And thank you to everyone who listened. Lord, we just come to you right now. We want to lift up your holy name. We thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to share your word, to share your gospel, and to share experiences, Lord. We ask that you bless uh, Pastor Jay Glover's um, uh, podcast and um, his ministry, Lord. We just pray that everything spoken here will reach out and reach further into the world, Lord. We just thank you for everyone here right now. We pray for your protection. We pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts to you, that we might follow you and continue to pursue you no matter what, Lord. Lord, I pray that you open up the hearts of people who are struggling. Soften their hearts, Lord, and continue to pull at them and tug at them like you do, Lord. Let them realize that you are our rescuer, that you will rescue us, Lord. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen, amen, amen. And Rose, thank you so much for coming. And I I want to connect with you in the near future. And thank you to the listening audience in the United States and around the world. And we will be back next Sunday at the same time, 4 o'clock, New York time. God bless you, and we'll see you then.